You guys are pieces of shit. I hate you all already. This is like a throwing me off. All right, let's get started. I'm Andy. Oh, we're off on a wrong foot. Not your usual host. My voice is weird. This guy's doing a fucking thing that I'm too high for ventriloquism. I'll tell you that. I. This is my job. Uh, this is it. I talk to strangers. Hi, look at you. He's stoned. I. Um, my dad called the other day he's like you need to get back out there find a harder job challenge yourself I'm like hello is always better dad maybe try hello out the gate (laughs) next time this is my I wish I had my dad's job this is his real job he works in the marketing department for a gasoline company that's gotta be the easiest fucking marketing job I can think of ever like how do you come up with an ad campaign for gasoline Yes, you're for sure going to buy this done. End of commercial. <laughs> Ship it out, boys. Gas. It makes your car move forward. Go get it. <laughs> Gasoline, go get you some. We don't need it advertised. We got Some things were good. We just know it's out there. We'll get, like, milk. Milk still makes commercials. Like, we need, like, who's, like, who, where do I, how do I get my hands on that frothy white liquid that that dude's got over there? Who, what is that? We don't. Milk commercials should just be like, Milk, we'll wait while you check your fridge. Milk, go check your fridge. We'll be here while you go check your fridge. Milk, need it? Go get it. All right, those are my first two jokes, huh? Worthy replacement? Don't. That's panned. Okay. You're too kind. We warmed you up. That was good. I'm going to warm you up. He still hasn't made eye contact looking right through me. I I got a, a new automobile recently. Thanks. Ty likes it. He's into it. He's very pro. He gave me like a pro- very proper. Didn't change his posture. Clap. I'm being. <laughs> I'm being way too visual on a podcast. I realize that. Are you guys? You guys know this is a pod. You, you're being podcasted. You're inside of a podcast as we speak. Are you guys aware of that? It's gonna be on the internet. Good. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. You guys are like, just stick with the program, pal. You're doing fine. Just your jokes will be enough. Thanks so much. I got a, I didn't see... Uh, I, I, you know the, where you get to the transaction? I was, I was at a CarMax. I don't know if you ever dealt with a CarMax. Uh, it's pretty fancy. There's like a desk situation where you have to like finalize your transaction. In my case, to get a Ford Escape uh, hybrid SUV. 
Uh, thanks. Someone wooed it. I'll take it. Someone whistled it, which is weird. It's a woo over a whistle with a hybrid SUV. Everyone knows that. I, I had to... You're my favorite. I had to... Uh, I had to deal with a lady that I didn't see in, a, in the booth. Like, I had to fill out paperwork, and I never saw the lady because she had an insane Lakers bobblehead doll collection. Like, an inordinate amount of Lakers bobblehead dolls. Just, like, covering every area of workspace. Like, she contacted HR department about putting in extra shelves. Like, it was everywhere. I never saw her face. And by the end, I asked her out of curiosity. I'm like, excuse me, miss, how do you accrue such a, uh, such a indeed impressive bobblehead collection? This is her real answer. She goes, Lakers bobblehead a wheat club, my man. Lakers bobblehead a wheat club. That's not a fucking club. Is that a club? She's pulling in a bobblehead a week. Not a month like a normal collector. You get a thing a month, psycho. Things come a month, not a week. Let's do the math on that. How many weeks are in a year? 52. I'll do it. Is it 52? 52. How many basketball players on a team? There's like 12 of those sons of bitches. What are the deep in the year bobbleheads she's getting? That's my question. You know she's got like a filing cabinet filled with like, like this is Samantha Robinson. She's the VP of financing over there at the Lakers. This is her bobblehead. Comes deep in September. This is Hector Fink. He's the mascot over there at the Lakers. This is him and his civvies. Not mascotted up. This comes into... Okay, you guys tolerated one example in that bit. And I had seven more. Wind out of sails. You're like, one's good. We got it. We got the visual. We got all of it. We got... It's a bobblehead. We got it. Moving on. <laughs> I, uh, 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 oh, just out here, uh, parking uh, is horrible at this establishment. <laughs> you gotta be on top of your game in this neighborhood. I'm good, though. I'm a good parallel parker. I'll get in those weird spots. The one I'm parked at now is like, I don't know if I'm gonna get ticketed. Like, it's a tree trunk kind of coming into a spot. That was the only spot available, but I'm good. I moved in, half point trunk. And parallel parking's like a thing. There's no, like, award for it. There's no ceremony for it. You're just kind of self-congratulatory. Like, yeah, you did it, Andy! You tackled it? Well, there's never like this. Except when I got out today, there was a dude. I got out parallel parked as good as I always did. Boop, back, boop. And I got out and a guy standing on the corner giving it up. <laughs> Gave me like a like stopped his day to give it up for my belly. That's how fucking good this parking job was. <laughs> And it made me realize we should just do that for all mundane daily tasks. Just let other people know. It would be a happier world. Be like, sir, you used self-checkout before. Got right in there. Got right up. Now I see I had three examples of that one, and the last bit taught me you're a one-example crowd. I cut it short. Now I don't know if I made the right decision. <laughs> I, uh... I, um... I'm worried about, do you think we're going to have an apocalypse soon? I kind of got this apocalypse feeling. Yeah, shut down, everybody. Ebola! That's the one how I wanted to start tonight. Ebola! And then just do some, like, dick jokes. Ebola! And then just, like, shitty airplane humor. <laughs> what's your game plan? If we have one, if, if it's like, if it's like zombie apocalypse starting tomorrow, what's your game, what's your game plan? 30 seconds into it, what do you, what do you accomplish? You're just going to kill yourself. You're done. <laughs> Calling it a life. They're coming in. Go, go. That's your game plan? Just as soon as one more... How many more infected does there need to be before you're just shaking in a corner? Two more infected? 
How, this, like, first California infection, you're just done, you're, you're calling it quits? God damn it, you guys gotta, you gotta get out there, get a, get in on the ground floor of this thing. Like, first day of the apocalypse, well, A, make sure it's the apocalypse, crack a shade or something. You don't want to be too soon apocalypse guy, he's a real piece of shit. Crack a shade, make sure the zombies are coming, then eat whoever's to your right, eat that person. Yeah, loved one, grandma, doesn't matter. Get in on the ground floor of this thing, because you're going to want that badass origin story when we get years down the road, when it gets really apocalyptic-y. Ashy rain, spiky shoulder pads. We are driving vehicles. We made ourselves at a machine shop on our bout to a midget who rides a giant inside of a fucking dome structure. Fuck that apocalypse. By Mad Max apocalypse, I'm just going to want to be left alone. I'm just going to want to be in the rear corner of the apocalyptic bar. The apocalyptic hostess is like, don't go near old man Peters. He was eating people 30 seconds into this thing. 30 seconds. We still had fully stocked grocery stores. He could have had some cereal. Peters could have had some cereal. But no, he murdered his wife and ate her in the street. It wasn't even the apocalypse. It was nasty Santa Ana winds five years before this apocalypse. Don't go to... All right, let's start this show. Are you guys okay? We got a dandy of a lineup. A dandy. Again, it's podcasted, so just so you know that part. Uh, your first comic coming to the stage, he's a really funny young uh, comedian. He's a part of the group Power Violence that you can see every Sunday right here in Los Angeles at their live show. Ladies and gentlemen, Whitmer Thomas, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. My name's Wit. What's up? Um, hi. Yeah, okay. I'm from Alabama. I live in L.A. now. Uh, my favorite thing about Southern California is that my favorite band of all time is from here. Uh, Blink-182. Blink-182 is great. Uh, you know, they made their living off being silly idiots, which is what I want to do, but... A few years back, they came out with a song trying to take themselves more seriously called Miss You. Do you remember that song? It goes like this. I miss you, I miss you. <laughs> they have two singers. First singer, he's got like these pretty dark lyrics, you know. He comes in, he does a pretty good job. He goes, hello there, the angel from my nightmare, the shadow in the background of the morgue. I miss you, I miss you. Good job. You did okay, you know. Uh, but they have two singers, and uh, that second guy's got to come in. So it goes, uh, I miss you, I miss you. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot dream tonight. I need somebody and always The six strands darkness Comes creeping on to haunting every time And as I start I counted There's spiders <laughs> Do you think at any point the first guy was like Are we still doing that voice? We're 37 <laughs> Maybe not but yeah, so that's California in a nutshell to me. 
I like being from Alabama, man. I realized why recently, uh, you know, uh, because because everybody down in the South, they have a very simple opinion about things. They don't get too cynical on shit. Like, like you'd be like, uh, hey, what'd you think of Hangover 3? And they'll just go, dang, dude, that beard guy's funny. <laughs> I relate mostly to beard guy. You'd be like, uh, excuse me, sir, what kind of dog is that? Oh, that dog right there? That's a brown dog. That's like a medium-sized brown dog. I realized uh, that when I was a small boy, I was dumb. It's a sad realization. I, I was dumb because I had a murder prevention plan because I was scared of getting murdered. And the plan was uh, I grabbed a knife from the kitchen and then I, I bought some fake blood and I put it under my bed. And then I, I was just kind of waiting for two murderers to come into my house and, you know, massacre my whole family. You know, my room was at the end of the house and I would hear that. I'd hear my loved ones getting killed. And I would cover myself in blood and put a knife next to me and just lay there. And then when they'd get to my room, you know, to finish the family massacre, they'd go, Oh, no, Billy, looks like some other murderers must have already gotten to the boy. Oh, you're right, Johnny. We best be getting on out of here then. Because they're like Disney-style... Tall, skinny guy, short, fat guy murderer. Anyway, I go home, you know. I made it. No, it really worked. My whole family's dead. But I made it, so. No, it didn't. What if it did? What if that did, that stupid plan? <laughs> uh, I think, like, when I was a kid, yeah, I was stupid, but I was also cool. Like, um... It was really cool when I was a little kid. Like, people wanted to hang out with me, you know? Like, was anybody out there ever kidnapped? No? I, was, I got kidnapped when I was a boy, no joke. When I was, like, two or three. Like, some man kidnapped me. He, you know, I guess was, like, a fan or something. No, the true story, this is what happened. I was sitting in the kitchen as a boy, cute little cool-ass kid. And a man broke into my house and grabbed me and ran away down the street. And uh, luckily, my dad was driving up the hill and saw the man, got out of his car and was like, you know, give me my boy back. And the man was like, but I love his work. But okay, here you go. Gave me back. And, uh, you know, and then I, you know, was saved. But my dad followed the guy, and the guy in his house, he lived in this weird little shack. Uh, he had, like, a, a bathtub in, in the center of his living room. And inside of that bathtub were uh, just a bunch of photos of me that he had been taking since I was born, just, like, watching me, you know, like, paparazzi style. It's um, <laughs> like, watching me. He had been stealing my clothes from my bedroom and just, like, had all these photos plastered all over his living room. What's that, partner? I said, was that the last time you saw your grandpa? 
Oh, come on, man. Get this guy out of here. Where are the police? Arrest this man. Good tag, solid tag, but no, that's garbage, partner. Come on. I'm on the stage. What are you? Welcome me, fool. All I can see is a white tie. I hope you're not wearing a white tie. Yeah, you are. He is wearing the white tie. What are you, in my chemical romance? Come on. No, that's stupid. Um, you ruined it. But anyway, so the guy, yeah, he had all these like pictures of me, like clothes of mine and like my toys and stuff like that. And he, you know. So yeah, he thought I was really cool, that guy. Thank you, sir. Thank you for that. Um, oh. Um, you know what, guys? I got the light, and you just... That dude, what a buzzkill. Your name's probably Buzz. Your name is definitely Buzz. Um, I don't really have time to do this last thing. So what I'll do is... Um, a silly voice. Uh, that's my goal in comedy, is just to do silly voices. Uh, my first uh, impression I ever or came up with is this. Um, this is a current comedian, Wanda Sykes. Um, and she, she just wrote a hot new joke about Catholicism. She's going to do it now. All right. Uh, but, wallet and wash man who's putting the wallet and the wash right there man you know it's wallet and watch oh catholicism okay thank you guys white tie watch it man Winter Thomas everybody pulled it out at the end Where's the asshole that <laughs> Which one of you assholes? I didn't see it happen. Guys, be better. All right, your next comic. <laughs> be better everything. All right. Uh, uh, this guy, he's in a... Uh, he works with a group called Women a lot. Uh, he's hilarious. I see him all over town. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Alan Strickland Williams, Hello. How's everybody doing? Sorry I hit you at the door, sir. For anyone at home, home is up there, I guess. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, I had to wake up early today. Anyone ever have to do that? Ever have to wake up early? Yeah, it sucks, right? It's like the worst. You don't, don't woo it. It's not good. Uh, I told my friend, I was like, oh, man, I had to wake up early. And he was like, oh, well, you know, nice thing about waking up early, you get a lot of stuff done. Guess what? Getting stuff done sucks. Okay? Doing anything sucks. Especially doing anything in the daytime. The daytime is the worst. Everything bad happens during the day, right? That's when you have to go to your job. That's when they made us go to school. 9-11 happened in the day. Like, first thing in the day. You know what's not... You know, you know what is cool? Nighttime. 
right now, what we're doing right now, nighttime, is when you go see comedy shows, maybe you're drinking out there, people might fuck later. Nighttime, it's a party. <laughs> nighttime, do it. <laughs> oh, but Alan, I, 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 oh, I, but I love breakfast. <laughs> oh, but I love me, I love me some breakfast, you know? Oh, guess what? Guess what the best time is for breakfast? 3 a.m., drunk as fuck. <laughs> Nighttime. If you don't believe me, just think about it this way. Like, uh, look at, think about the two like, things that we associate most with night and day. Okay, daytime, the sun. The sun is a fucking nerd. The sun just shows up every day, no matter what. It's like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm up here if anybody needs anything. The moon is dope, okay? The moon is so cool that sometimes at night, it doesn't even show up. <laughs> it's got something else going on in outer space. Sometimes it only sends half of itself. It's like, you know, the only time that the sun is cool, actually, is, it, is during like an eclipse when the moon's like, he's with me. All right, let's get into some... That's a bit. Let's get into some jokes. A um, little about me. Uh, I live my life by one simple rule. Work hard, play hard. Whether I'm at the office or just hanging out with friends, I always have a boner. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. Um, uh, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, a lot of people don't really understand what Florida's like, so I have this analogy I like to use. Uh, if America is the Walmart, then Florida is the McDonald's inside the Walmart. <laughs> That's where we're at with Florida. Florida, I, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, which is northern Florida, but it's very southern in culture. Uh, but if I ever say that I'm from the South and someone from like Georgia or Alabama hears me say that, they go, Florida, that's not the South. You know how bad your state has to be for the South not to want you? <laughs> it's not good. Um, one thing I like to do is I like to get really high and then I like to go on Google Maps and I like to go to that street view and just drive. <laughs> see what's out in that great big world of ours, you know? I had a really high thought the other day when I was driving. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was in traffic on the 101. And you know, when you're in like one lane and then the lane next to you is just like, move, like moving, you're like, what the, what's going on? What if it's just that like everyone in that lane is just a really good driver? What if they're just all like, no, they get it. They're just all going. And you're just in a line of incompetent morons. <laughs> And you're one of them. Uh, you ever hear that old tale about how a kid will get caught smoking a cigarette? So his old man makes him smoke a whole carton of cigarettes? <laughs> I uh, hope that as uh, society progresses and uh, marijuana becomes legal everywhere, one day there's a kid who's like, yeah, my old man caught me smoking a joint. So then he made me smoke a whole carton of joints. And now I'm just the chillest dude ever. <laughs> and everyone likes me. 
and I listen to cool music. Uh, anyone here uh, drinking tonight? Take some beers in tonight. Uh, if you did, uh, just keep this in mind, guys. Beer before liquor. Never been sicker. Red wine before bourbon. I am a full-blown alcoholic. I have a problem that rhyming can't solve. If you're ever out to eat with someone at a restaurant, uh, they might be like, hey, let's order family style. I always assume that means we go to our separate rooms and eat in total silence. <laughs> if I could have dinner with any person, living or dead, I think I'd choose Dick Cheney, and I'd want him to be dead. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable here. I'm going to come right out and say it. Uh, I'm a proud member of the LGBT community. Yeah, that's right. Sure, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm loving God big time. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's see. Um, oh, uh, you know BuzzFeed and like Gawker and uh, Upworthy. They they like they get you to read these articles with these like sensationalistic headlines, you know. So uh, I thought maybe I could incorporate that into my uh, pickup lines. So uh, at a bar last night, I went up to this girl. I was like, "Sup, girl? What happens after this pickup line will shock and amaze you." <laughs> um. You guys have been really great. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'm Alan. Bye. Andy Peters, everybody. Yeah, Alice Strickland Williams. I figured out how to get on and off this stage. It took me two comics. It's that curtain, not the door that hits the dude. <laughs> Figure it out. Took a bit. It's the curtain. <laughs> Sorry, and I apologize, sir. How many times have you got in by that door tonight? You just kept letting it happen. You, you have the sangfroid the lion. No one knows that steel reserve. He did. He could have got him. All right, your next comic. It's French. Oh, took a nap between comics. Uh, all right, this next person to come to the stage. Uh, she's amazing writer for Girl Code. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Phoebe Robinson, everybody. Hi. How are you doing, sir? Is it Dorbin? Okay, good. Want to make sure you're okay. Are you a ginger? Yes. Oh, okay. I, used to, I dated ginger before. Good people. I like you guys. So cool. So that's how I like to start all my sets. Um... I am uh, good. This is my last show in town. I'm, I'm in town from New York. Uh, this is my last show. I'm heading back home. Uh, and I'm excited to go back home, but I, I'm, I'm 30 now, and I got to get my life together. Um, I'm in shambles right now. I got I to gotta stop taking the bus and the subway everywhere in New York. Uh, it's a nightmare. It's great because it's cheap, so anyone can get on, but it also sucks because anyone can get on, and most people are the worst. Um, <laughs> That's the problem. And the people that I hate the most to get on the the bus and subway are the people who do spoken word poetry. Um, Just all die right now. It's totally fine. I won't care. Thank you, one person. Uh, You've been terrorized as well. Uh, 
I hate the spoken word poets because all their poems sound the same, you know? They're just nothing but cliches. It's always something like, we forgot what it was like back in the day. <laughs> we forgot about our past. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, strong black brothers, Rosa Parks and Danny Glover. I'm like, time out. <laughs> Using lethal weapon, get him out of that poem. Right, cool. Uh, yeah, I am about to move in with my boyfriend, which is amazing. We've been together three years. I love him a lot. I'm excited. But, uh, <laughs> I've got my sex game is total trash now because we've been together so long. I just, I don't feel like I need to impress him anymore, which is not good. That is not what I should be doing. Like, basically, my sex game is like, you guys know those workout videos? And there's always that bitch in the background who does the modified version of every exercise. That's me in the bedroom all day, every day. I don't give blowjobs on my knees anymore. I just lay on my side and go, but scandal's about to come on. And that is, I never make contact after that. That is it. It's not good. I don't know, I just, getting older just makes you, I just am tired of the whole dance. Like, I just, I just want to be myself. I'm tired of having to, like, do all these fancy things. <laughs> like, I'm done grooming down there. I'm just done <laughs> up here, down there. I don't care, it's fine. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, I just, I can't, it, it doesn't make any sense because I have a vagina, my boyfriend's straight, end of transaction, right? Like that is, that should be it. Like I don't know why I'm doing all this extra stuff. And, uh, right? It's just, it's insane. And my sister-in-law just gave birth to her first kid like two months ago, right? It's so, like, that's what she's doing. Like she's bringing life into the world with her JJ, right? Something very important. Meanwhile, I'm like in my bathroom, just like hunched over a trash can, wearing glasses like the kind you see on a judgy bitch from Dante Abbey, and I'm just like trimming away. And that's what I've been doing for the past decade, you guys. I don't, I don't have a graduate degree because of this. That is, I want to lean in, but I can't because of society. <laughs> like my hands are starting to hurt a little bit from gripping tweezers and stuff. I think I'm starting to get arthritis a little bit, which is insane. That is insane because you used to have to like really earn arthritis. You know what I mean? Like you were a coal miner or a carpenter, something really blue collar you were giving back to the community those were the people in ibuprofen commercials, right? That was it. But now you're just gonna, the next ibuprofen commercial is just gonna be like a bunch of 37-year-old women going, hi, I have arthritis because I spent my 20s trimming up my pubes like it's a mustache on a dust bowl farmer. And now my knee hurts when it rains, ibuprofen. Like that is... guys are fun. I want to have kids. 
as you guys can tell, I don't know if I would be good at it. Um, but you're not supposed to say that as a woman, right? You're supposed to be like, yeah, be a great mom. I'll make snacks and like whatever else moms do. I don't know. Just I bake the fuck out of those Rice Krispie treats. Like that is the swag I'm supposed to have. But I just, I don't know if I'd be a good mom. And the reason I say this is I'm kind of a jerk. Let's be honest about it. Like, for instance, if I go to the movies and at the end of the movie I hate it, I'll just stand up and yell at the screen. I'll be like, boo, you suck. You're the worst, right? And I had nothing to do with the making of that movie. I put no money into it, but I just get really mad that I spent two hours with it and it didn't turn out how I imagined, you know? (laughs) So I can only imagine if I have a kid, right? And I like love her for 18 years and like relearn math in order to help her with her homework. (laughs) And then she grows up to work at T-Mobile. I'm just supposed to pretend like that's okay. I can't just whisper boo in her ear on the way to work. Just trash talk her like an MMA fighter that's not allowed. I need uh, black people to stop achieving so much stuff. (laughs) Or at least just slow down just a little bit, you know? Because by the time that I have kids, there's not going to be anything good left for them to be the first to achieve at. So I'm just going to have like a regular-ass kid, you know what I'm saying? Like basically I'm just going to have like a white kid. (laughs) No, I did not sign up for that. Black parents want a lot out of their kids, and it's, it's hard because there's, that, there's always that chance that your kid could end up on a Black History Month stamp. Like, that is always, like, the motivating factor. It's like, that, having a fried chicken restaurant named after you, or being the cross street with Malcolm X Boulevard. Like, those are the things. I'll keep you guys. I'll get out of here on this. Uh, like I said, I've been with my boyfriend a while. We're good. We're an interracial couple, which is cool. Most people have like got that guy raised an eyebrow. Okay, all right. <laughs> he was like, oh, really? Okay. Um, is everything good, sir? Okay, great. Thank you. Um, someone protect me after this show, please. Um, I'm scared. Uh, no, yeah, we're an interracial couple, which is cool. Like, most people are chill with, like, he's white and black. And um, I think he's the one, which is very exciting because he does not know that. Uh, That makes me feel so good inside. Uh, So if things don't work out between us, I think I'm just going to be done, you know? Like, I'm just, I'm never going to date outside my race again. Um, It's too hard, you know? It's too much work. You have to, like, know everything about your culture. And that's why it's great to date within your race, because you can be ignorant together. You know what I'm saying? Like... (laughs) just shrug. I don't know. I don't know. We look the same. It's fine. Like, that's all. <laughs> well, the interracial dating, you have to know everything about your people in order to answer questions all the time, and that's not the point of interracial dating, you know? The point of interracial dating is to make hot Lisa Bonet babies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? It's for, like, two people to come together and create an army of, like, vaguely beige-colored <laughs> 27-year-old Gap models named Quinoa. Like, that is what... <laughs> You guys have been fantastic. I love you all. Andy Peters, everybody. Phoebe Robinson, everybody. We're going to trip.
there's a trip warning for future comedians. Trip warning. Give it up for Phoebe Robinson, everybody. Huh? Yep. What did she say? Uh, Benet Babies? I feel like this should be a song. Um, all right. We got a special guest. I'm going to bring him right up. You into it? You okay with everything that's happening so far? You guys are so polite. Except for White Tie. Where the fuck? Where's White Tie? <laughs> Where is he? I never pinpointed where he... Oh, yeah, that is a fucking white tie. You can't see any of you. You just see, like, a weird strip. It's like a warning. It's like a warning strip. What's happening over there? Good, and I've located you. Good. I know where you are now. White tie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage. Uh, this guy, he's in a lot of amazing things. Right now, Silicon Valley is that thing. Give it up for T.J. Miller, everybody. I travel an immense amount and uh, and uh, you know nobody really says hello to each other certainly not they don't smile they say hello not in Los Angeles not in New York no yeah Uh, but uh, you know I don't know why I, I think smiling what does that cost you huh what does a smile cost you? So I always smile if I make eye contact with somebody, you know, give them a little... <laughs> What's under there? And they're like, underwear, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, it is. It's fine to say young women. That's fine. You know, it's actually a good descriptor for a certain age of women. It really is. It's fine to say young women. It's not fine, however, to say the word young twice. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you can't be like, look at all those Girl Scouts. Look at all those careerists, those future industrious. Look at all those young, young women. Do that, you know. You guys ever have nightmares? Do you ever have nightmares? Hmm? Nobody? That would be its own type of nightmare. You all said no. I have reoccurring nightmares. I want to tell people about my nightmares, but whenever you tell someone about your nightmare, there's just two things that happen. One, they either tell you another nightmare that they had that they think is as scary as yours. Which, that's not why you're doing it. You, you know, you want to say, I, I entered what I thought was a peaceful slumber, but it ended up being a prison of my own mind's devising. Right? Or sometimes, I, this one guy was like, I have nightmares? I have night terrors. Don't one-up me with your... Oh, you have nightmares? 
You have bad dreams about female horses? My nights are filled with terror. (laughs) So what I do when somebody says that is I go to their house in the dead of the night, in the middle of the night, and I build a bed that is a mirror image of their bed, and I dress exactly as they're dressed in their sleeping garments. And then, you know, when they wake up from the night, they're like, ah! I also wake up, and I'm like, ah! They're like, ah! And I'm like, ah! And then I hit a button, and all these lights from Home Depot that I set up come on and flood the room like that. And I go, which is more terrifying, your night or my day? <laughs> it is super expensive. It is. It, 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 and if they wake up while you're setting up the lights, you can kiss that friendship goodbye. That's real. There's no way to explain that. There's lot, you know. There's lots of things I'd like to talk about, but I, I don't have time. And a lot of them you don't want to hear, you know. Like I like. There are a lot of things I like to talk about, but you don't want to hear about. It. Like how cars are actually robot horses. That's real. Or like uh, pets are friend slaves. <laughs> yeah, that'll ruin your weekend. Yeah. <laughs> you come home, your dog's like, <sighs> you're like, you're so happy to see me, but in his mind, he's like, is this the day that I'm free? <laughs> you know, right? I don't have time. Well, I can't talk about how morality is relative depending on where you're from or or what time period you live in. Certainly not, but also the time is God. And you may not agree with me, but it's the only thing that truly is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. It's omnipresent because everything around us is measured by time. It's omniscient because nothing happens outside of time, so it must know everything. And it's omnipotent because none of us will overcome time. It will eventually vanquish us all. Yeah. God, I don't have time, or sorry, time. I don't have God to talk about that. Thank you, good night. TJ, he's out of here. Get him out of here. TJ Miller, everybody. TJ. All right. You guys okay? Feeling okay? Is everything fine? I, uh, that's dangerous, right? I, I did the old mic removal. That means I'm talking for a bit. Strap in. I, uh, do you guys, uh, are you guys on top of your Netflix queues? I feel like I have to get on top of my Netflix queue. My queue is far gone. Does anybody have that problem? Or is this like, I'm not going to watch Play It Again, Sam. Maybe just take it off. I might, I, I, I share my Netflix queue with my wife. Uh, whose name is Kate, but Netflix calls her Catherine. And I'm like the only one who watches Netflix, so the algorithm is now like just me, but it's still under the name Catherine. So like Netflix has become this like horrible, shitty roommate. 
that knows nothing about the lady of the house, but still makes a lot of suggestions. He's still willy-nilly. Like, Catherine, can I call you Catherine? Based, based on your love of gritty uh, European drama noir, is that a thing? And your love of uh, uh, 90s WWE Attitude Era documentaries, might I suggest, I don't know, Boondock Saints 2? Try Boondock Saints 2, Catherine. <laughs> My wife watches Friends and uh, The West Wing. That's it. On a loop. She watches Friends and West Wing. All right, that joke sucked. I'll do better. Good Lord. I, um, I haven't uh, lived... I'll tell you this story. This is a true story. I stayed in a uh, hostel in Alhambra when I first... Like, before... I know. I know. This is a true story of the first day of staying in a hostel in Alhambra. I had to do laundry. I was on the road. I had to do laundry. And I went down and uh, put in a load of wash and went up and did some hostel chores. You know, remove the chalk outline from the last <laughs> guest. Defleed. Wrote my suicide note. You know, hostel business. And I get back down to the hostel laundry room to do uh, part two of laundry. I don't got to explain laundry to you guys. To the drying part. I went down to do the drying part. And I get down to the hostel laundry room. And a dude's wearing one of my fucking t-shirts. Soaking wet. Took it out of the wash cycle. Because that's, that's how you do it. He just took it out of the, my bear wearing sunglasses, San Francisco 1998 t-shirt. He's just wearing it soaking wet in the middle of the hostel laundry room. That's a custom shirt, bro. That's mine. That was made by my imagination and a Carney's airbrush gun. That's mine. <laughs> and so I had this like weird standoff. Like He's wearing my shirt. And uh, I think my exact words were, dude, wearing my shirt were my words. And this is... This is what he threw me to get out of it. He goes, finders keepers, broseph, finders, he finders keepers me. In a real life adult confrontation, he pulled the finders keepers card with all the confidence in the world. I let him have the fucking t-shirt. That's a bold card. It made me question our entire judicial system. It made me wish it was ran on that level of like playground grade school logic. Like, apparently, your client has never heard of Smelted V Delta. Still holds sway today. All right, next comic. That was good. You guys are into it? Still good. All right. Check. That was a check. That was an into it check. Medium. You guys got a C plus. <laughs> You're okay. This, uh, this next guy, uh, look out for him. He is in, uh, he's featured in an upcoming album with Bob Odenkirk called Amateur Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Brandon Wardell. Everybody. Go zero to a hundred, nigga, real quick. They be on that rap to pay the bill shit. Now I'm better shit, not even a little bit. I got no heads up on that between set pantomime that was like a bonus. Give it up for Brandon Wardell. I think he's going to get Fallon, you guys. I think he's going to get it. I got, it's a tough, making a tape, that's the worst that always happens. The mid-tape realization, like, fuck this! Fuck! I said fuck too much in my TV tape. Brandon Wardell, everybody, give it up. He's adorable. I, uh, uh, I, I heard an ad today that was on the radio that would, like might help me. I have, does anybody get like nervous and get sweaty palms? I realize I just had it. There's a drug for it. 
There's the drug that was like, hey, and now you can, with confidence, you can shake hands and high five. <laughs> so the two things, the two things you're interested in doing with your hands, we got you. This drug does those shaking hands and high five. Like they couldn't come up with a third. The guy who made that commercial was like, that's it. Those are the two. That's what we're curing here. Handshakes and high fives. All right. Ah, give it up uh, for Brandon Wardell one more time. Let's keep it moving. We're almost done. We got a couple more. I feel like this is becoming a hostage situation. Are you guys okay? This, this next comic, uh, he has an amazing podcast called This Week in Despair. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Peter John Burns, everybody. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am a father. This is probably not a shock, uh, given my attire and such. Uh, I have a 14-year-old a daughter. Uh, and last year, uh, she sat my wife and me down and, and came out to us as a pescatarian. I had to look it up. Uh, that's a vegetarian plus fish. And I said to my wife at the time, this is just a gateway drug to full-blown vegetarianism. And sure enough, just six months later... I now have a vegetarian teen on my hands. Now, look, I know it's a healthier lifestyle. I just look at her. I mean, she is skinny as a rail and healthy as a horse. A horse she would not eat, but nevertheless. But I can't go there. I eat meat. Unapologetically. Like, I understand it's a healthier lifestyle, but vegetarianism, it's, it's too much like Protestantism. There are too many denominations. Most of them agree on the same rules. Uh but have slight variations. And all of them have a great sense of moral superiority to the other denominations. <laughs> Are you a lacto-ovo-baptist? A pescatarian Presbyterian? And I was raised Roman Catholic, which means like we have a monoculture of meat. It's, it's a way of saying that as Roman Catholics, uh, we do horrible things, but we do them together by God. <laughs> and the other reason I'm going to continue to eat meat is that I'm pretty sure we are doomed uh, for some sort of uh, ecological catastrophe, uh, an apocalypse, if you will, in the not-too-distant future. I mean, we've been paying attention, right? I mean, like, the last two years haven't been good. Like, uh, they're still trying to rebrand the Gulf of Mexico as the new Dead Sea to boost tourism. Uh, the greatest export to come out of Japan these days is radiation. Uh, and the Ebola crisis has given new meaning to the term shit-scared. Uh, in short, it has not been a good couple of years for hashtag Team Human. Uh, and, I mean, it's all over pop culture, right? Like, you know, look, uh, The Walking Dead is just the Left Behind series for atheists, right? And we all think we're going to be part of that plucky group of survivors, and I know better. I mean, for Christ's sakes, look at me. I'm 5'4", and I'm shaped like Bilbo Baggins' stunt double. <clears throat> like, you know, when the uh, roving gangs of uh, high school football players that are doomed to be, like, running things in the post-apocalyptic era uh, find me, it's not going to go well. Because, like, my ninja weapons are, like, bitter irony and caustic sarcasm. And those only work in an environment where there's a social contract that says you can't hurt me if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> and when that's shredded, I'm done. And we all know how this ends up, right? Like... One Amish warlord, up to his eyeballs in pussy and gold, because he has the skills. Can you plow? No. So yeah, in a few short years when like we've run out of oil and we're burning bodies for fuel and I'm eating my half-rotted turnip by candlelight and the kids keep running in saying, what did fruit taste like, Daddy? Then no, I'm not going to regret last night's steak one bit. 
And uh, there's, a, there's a clear sense that this is happening, uh, I think, unconsciously, because every time I go to a restaurant, I hear people increasingly obsessed with the means of demise of the food that has landed on their plate. Excuse me, is, is, this, is this salmon line caught or net caught? Is it Pacific salmon or Atlantic? You know what? I've got an app on my phone. I'll just look it up. I'll just look it up. <laughs> this, to me, is a clear sign uh, that as our civilization is entering its death spiral, uh, we've entered the Kubler-Ross bargaining phase. <laughs> Uh, and look, you know, I mean, like, and I understand, like, that's the one America, right? Because the other America is watching hillbilly hand fishing and the deadliest catch. And those guys would shove a stick of dynamite up the ass of a dolphin and send it into a school of whale if they thought they could make a buck. That's the two Americas, really. Uh, but this sense of artisanal slaughter was really hammered home to me uh, when I was in a restaurant not too long ago. A fancy one, because I am fancy. <laughs> And they had antelope on the menu. Now understand, if there's an animal on a menu that I haven't eaten before, I'm totally going to eat that animal. Because what's left for me, right? Like, we're in the fourth quarter, kids. Like, you know, we've scaled Mount Everest. We've been to the moon. But if I can eat everything that walks, crawls, swims, or flies on the earth, that's my manifest destiny. I'm an American, goddammit. And what more American thing is there than to eat everything? So I said to the waiter, tell me about this antelope. And he said, ah, sir, this antelope, it comes to us from the Neiman Farms, and it has been sniper shot. <laughs> sniper shot. Um, Francois, I do appreciate you sending a special forces team to fetch me my dinner. Uh, but must we resort to assassination? Do we not fear reprisal from the antelope American community? And he explained the theory behind this, uh, which is it doesn't put fear in the meat. Uh, essentially, the antelope spends its life antelopeing or whatever goddamn thing it does. And then just one day, the lights go out. It never knows what hit it, in other words. And so there's no stress reaction at the end of its life. It's not running in fear, and there's no adrenaline flushing into the meat, and that is supposed to, in theory, produce a yummier antelope. Now... I have two problems with this theory. Uh, one is, uh, I think I want fear in my meat. <laughs> I mean, look, if I'm going to replicate the carnivore experience, right, like I wanted to know that I was coming for it, right? that's how the cavemen did it, that's how I should do it. I, I think uh, fear is why we uh, eat meat. Uh, the taste of fear is really the taste of meat. The other thing I don't think this takes into account is the other antelope. Let me see if I can break this down for you. <laughs> You're in the quarterly sales meeting. <laughs> Phil from marketing is up at the whiteboard, leading you through a presentation. Uh, there's handouts, there's donuts, there's coffee. And then suddenly, Phil's head explodes in a shower of brains and bone, and he drops to the floor like a puppet whose strings have been cut. And then, only then, do you hear the report of the rifle. <laughs> you all dive under the table. Millie from HR is making those high-pitched crying noises like she did when she was drunk at the Christmas party. She said she's going to die alone with her cats. Uh, that guy from accounting whose name you can never remember, he's pissed himself. And your boss, Steve, has clawed his cell phone out of his pocket and is screaming into it, begging the, to his wife that the kids remember Daddy is a good man. And in the middle of all this chaos, two guys roll up in a golf cart with a pickup bed on the back. <laughs> Cigarettes dangling from the corners of their mouths, wearing gray coveralls with their name in a little oval over the breast. 
make no eye contact with any of you. And they dragged Phil, his brains leaving a trail on the industrial carpet of the conference room like H.P. Lovecraft's giant pet snail. And they throw him in the back of the cart, his head lolls, and they drive off. And this happens at your workplace several times a week. (laughs) Now, I ask you, is this a low-stress work environment? Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Peter John Burns. Thank you very much. I was like, oh, shit, I thought I, like, nailed the sweet, like, and then with the song continued, I feel like a horse's ass. Give it up for Peter John Burns, everybody. We did it. Give it up for all the comics you've seen tonight. One more. We got one more. He's coming up right now. Uh, he, uh, he has a podcast called My Dumb Friends. Uh, you've seen him on Comedy Central, Conan. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Dan St. Germain, everybody. Hi, how's everyone doing? Are you good? Sweet. How's, is everyone good? We saw each other earlier today. Uh, I'm adjusting to New York. I mean, L.A. Where the, I just woke up. Uh, I'm adjusting here. Trying to get my shit. Everybody here looks fucking beautiful. I'm trying to get my shit together. I just Here's my big weight loss goal. I just want to be able to have a salad and have nobody next to me go, hey, good for you. That's what I want <laughs> at this point in my life. That's big. I realize the big difference between uh, attractive people and unattractive people is I was at a gas station the other day and I was, uh, I was pumping gas as you do there, and uh, out of the corner of my eye uh, came this be- this beautiful man stumbled out of the bushes with like a glistening eight pack and like long. This sounds like a story about how I'm a closet homosexual. Like, he came out of the bushes, and of course I had to suck his dick. Uh, but he comes out of the bushes, and I realized the big difference between attractive people and unattractive people because my first thought was like, is he okay? Does he need a Dasani or an Aquafina? Can I give him medicine? Can I nurse him? But if I walked out of those bushes shirtless, my first thought would be something fucked up happened in those bushes. And now we know where Karen went. Karen, I did that joke once and, uh, oh my God, it's you guys from Austin. Holy shit. What did I know? This is like, this set is useless to, all, to most of the people here. This is how I realize I'm dead. All the people from my life are going to be here. Oh my God, Grandfather John. It's always weird. That's how you know you're in a redneck family when you call it grandfather and then the first name. It's Grandfather Ted. He teaches us about the woods and friendship. Uh, are you nervous you're just going to like discover something about yourself? I get nervous about that a lot. It's like... I'm just gonna. I don't need to just. You know, I'm 30. I don't need to discover anything more. I'm just. I'm like. I'm nervous. I'm gonna be like, a, like an aquarium, and then I'm like a like you know. There was one of those tanks where you can pet the like the fish. They're, they have those tanks. I'm not a weirdo. Uh, I don't just go in aquariums and I'm like I get to touch this one. Uh, so like I'm gonna pet a starfish, and then all of a sudden I'm just gonna come harder than I ever have. <laughs> In my entire life. I'm like, oh my god, I've been into this the whole time. <laughs> I fucking, I can't, I'm move. Uh, fuck. I'm in, L- you know, I live here now. I'm in L.A. now. I, I live here now. And I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, uh, I, I can't get women at all. I'm still on OkCupid. Okay Is anybody else on that? 
right now. They have the worst set. They have a section there called the most private thing I'm willing to admit. And you really get to to learn about some real fucking animals in this world. <laughs> this girl had wrote, this girl had written uh, uh, I have a handicap sticker on my car. I need it. If you want to know why, take me out for a drink sometime. Like, that's not like I've got a tattoo. Guess where it is? It's like, sometimes I jiggle uncontrollably around Christmas lights. If you want to know why, take me to Panera Bread. Uh, that'll, that'll be something I do. Somebody, I just, I took this out, and my friend texted me a picture of his dick as soon as that happened. Uh, so that's... Some things you just shouldn't tell an audience. I did do this to a girl, though. <laughs> um, I wrote, uh, I, gave, I sent her a dick pic once, and uh, it was, you know, and, th- and then there was no response afterwards for like an hour. So then I just wrote, ha, 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 just kidding. <laughs> you can't do with a dick pic. Like, you can't just do that with a sex crime. You know, Sandusky can't be like, no, it was just improv that went wrong. Uh, And the next day she texts me, she goes, sorry, fell asleep. (laughs) Which I think is even worse that my dick was her Lunesta butterfly (laughs) flapping into the window with its oddly proportionate balls. Oh, boy. Uh, I think the reason I'm so screwed up sexually is that my mom used to walk around the house with no bra and her boobies would just kind of jingle jangle inward. She looked like a Muppet that Jim Henson gave up on halfway through. And I told her, Mom, you're going to start wearing a bra. It's gross. And she said, you know what the problem with you is? You're not comfortable with your body. So I got home the next day and I went to my sister's room and my sister was completely naked. And then my naked sister chased me to my mom's room, who was also naked. And then they chased me to my dad's office, who was naked. And they got me down on the floor and tickled me. Here's my question. Was I molested? I don't know. I don't know what it was. One time I did that joke and there was a silence afterwards and then someone yelled, you were molested! In what had to be the most cathartic heckle of all time. You were molested. It's not your fault. We need wings over here. Uh, Guys, thank you very much. Have a good one. Uh, Well, he's not here yet. Oh, there we go. There we go. attention. Dan St. Germain! Give it up! That's the whole show! You guys have been fantastic, except for White Tide. You can go to hell. Give it up for everybody you've seen tonight. I love you all. Let's put your hands together. Thank you so much. Good night. Your hands together. Put 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 your hands together. Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together.
Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.